Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Men for the Win is sponsored by The Grand Group with Edina Realty. Are you looking to purchase a new home in the Twin Cities area? Or perhaps you're trying to sell your current home? Whether you're upsizing or downsizing, The Grand Group with Edina Realty will meet all of your housing needs. Contact The Grand Group by emailing thegrandgroup at edinarealty.com or call them by phone at 612-817-8751. The Grand Group with Edina Realty, three-time Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine Super Agent Award winners. On this episode, David and Dan discuss the Twins' three-game series against the Kansas City Royals. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Thanks for tuning in to Men for the Win. My name is David Kufis, and with me as always, wait, what's that? It's not Dan Thompson. My big bro, Dan Kufis, has filled in for Dan. Dan is off in the sun watching uh, the Indy 500 go down, so my brother has stepped up here and filled in for us. Unfortunately, there's not a ton of excitement to talk about for this series. The Twins will lose two of three to the Royals. They don't look good, and I'm starting to question whether my excitement after a sweep of the Orioles was misplaced. Well, Dan, welcome to the show here. What do you think of the season thus far? Well, obviously, it's been a bit more disappointing than we would have hoped, you know, as is evidenced at least in part by this series. Yeah, it was uh, it was a rough one here. I wish you would have been able to fill out in a series where they actually came away with a couple of victories, but one sole bright spot in this series was game two, but I don't know if we need to break it down any further. Let's go ahead and jump right into the series recap. Series recap. Game one, Dan, this one was rough. Royals win at 8-3. Twins could never really get anything going. They got on the board first in the uh, fourth inning here, but then they lose. Dobnik started strong, and then he kind of fell apart. Any thoughts here? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think issue that you'll see consistently with this team is just sort of their inability to get things going. The one early run you mentioned, uh, Garver's solo shot home run was obviously a bright spot. But even after that, I think their other two runs came right after there were three walks in a row to load up the bases. Uh, there was then a wild pitch that scored one run. I think there was one that scored on a, on a base hit. But uh, other than that, it just kind of looked like some sloppy baseball and that's how they got their runs. Yeah, it was not a fun game to watch. It just felt like after this big series victory, we sweep the Orioles, we're going into Kansas City. Okay, is this team finally turning things around? And it's just more of the same. Just can't get the offense going. Dobnik, it's really frustrating because he comes up, he finally gets another opportunity. Last outing, he did fantastic. Then this outing, he started so good, and if he was done after four... I mean, his stat sheet looks a lot better than it did. Yeah, and I mean, you can talk about Stashak coming in. Uh, he did come into a very dirty situation with the bases loaded, and it's really tough to come out of that clean. First inning there was was obviously not great. Yeah, I think the Stashak experiment is successfully coming to a close here. So he got demoted after this game. He's good for like one outing every five appearances, and that's just not successful enough at the major league level. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums it up. Uh, let's jump into game two. So game two, again, the lone bright spot here in this series. The Twins are going to win this one 6-5. It got a lot more interesting than I thought it was going to in this one. Yeah, for sure it did. But the uh, the Twins were actually able to uh, put some runs on the board, uh, which was encouraging. The uh, the bullpen seemed to do their job and hold the lead. Just barely. So it was interesting that Rocco went again with the Robles-Rogers tandem. And this time he flipped them, as I thought that he should. Last episode I mentioned this, that I thought Rocco kept going with the Rogers-Robles. And so that was the order. He flipped them because I thought, ah, it might make more sense to flip them. I think I was proven wrong here, Dan. This was not the uh this is not the correct approach because robles gave up a run and then rogers gave up two but my goodness turns out that insurance run the twins put on the board in the eighth was was of vital importance well i mean i think at this point david you should be used to being wrong uh but, but uh we'll, we'll see how that plays out for you going forward 
Yeah, it's not uh, certainly not the first time I've been wrong this season. And and Dan Thompson, if he were here, he would certainly uh, he'd jump on your bandwagon here about me being wrong. Well, it's a good thing he can't hear you over all those loud cars. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Hap's outing was okay. Wasn't great. He got through five innings here, gave up only two earned runs off a homer, and he had two walks with five strikeouts. Still, five innings pitched, especially at this point in the season when guys are starting to get deeper into games. You really wish that he would be able to put a few more pitches out there, stay in the game a little longer, at least get through six. Yeah, absolutely. I think I agree with you there. All right, let's keep pushing here. Game three. So this one we got to watch together, Dan, and it was unfortunately kind of a slow-moving, plotting game where it just never felt like the Twins were going to come away with any sort of offensive success. Twins lose this one six to three. Yeah, uh, it was an unfortunate outing. Twins seemed to actually start putting some runners on base, but unfortunately, again, they were just unable to capitalize. There were quite a few runners left on base. Hen left on base, went two for 11 with runners in scoring position. It's just one of those things that felt like every other inning they were loading the bases and nobody was getting home. Yeah, and it's really disappointing, especially it's you start to become used to this as a Minnesota sports fan where your team will just give you just enough hope to keep watching. It's just, uh, yes, it is truly the Minnesota sports experience. There's no question on that front. The shoemaker starts this one off. He looked really good here through four. And again, apparently it's just that fifth inning. The Twins just can't can't get their starters out of that fifth inning so he goes four and a third but he gives up five earned runs granted a couple of those were inherited runners when Thielbar came into the game here's the thing a stat popped up on the screen when Thielbar entered he has let eight of ten inherited runners score when he entered this game and now that's up to 10 for 12 i believe but it's one of those things where i know that you're coming into a rough spot just like you mentioned with stashek earlier he was coming in in a, in a tough spot but if you're gonna be an effective guy out of the bullpen you need to be able to come into those tough spots and get some outs especially unproductive outs for that team like you can't let runners score like even today Thielbar allowed a sack fly you can't really you can't really fault him for that But at the same time, it just kind of helps pile on the stat line here that he keeps giving up these inherited runners. Yeah, it seems like these bullpen pitchers, I mean, it is literally their job to come into these tough situations. (laughs) That is when they are brought into the game. And if that is your job, you need to find a way to be able to perform and get that done. I think that just speaks to why you get so much turnover within bullpens, because it seems like you have to go with the hot hand. And if you were just proven to never have the hot hand, guys aren't ever going to turn to you any longer. Right. Yeah. So this game, I just, it wouldn't have been as frustrating if it didn't feel like there was just going to be that moment. But this, <laughs> this game, I, I use this a lot more often in the, earlier part of the season when Sano was really struggling and now it seems like this this series was not good for Sano but nothing no. stops a twins rally like a Miguel Sano at bat <laughs> anything else on game three there uh no I think we've pretty much covered it yeah I think so here let's push forward to our segments we'll start off with the Puckett's Picks winner Catch them all, Kirby Puckett. Puckett's Picks winner I'm really upset about this. (laughs) Well, okay. Here's the deal, folks. My brother, Dan, picked for the listeners, and then Dan Thompson still had his pick, and I I took my pick. So Dan Thompson took Sano. The listeners, uh, who my brother is representing, took Ref Snyder, and I took Max Kepler. So we had an interesting turn of events here. So one, we have a new record for lowest points scored in a Puckett's Picks <laughs> outing, and that will now belong to Dan Thompson. Congratulations, Dan Thompson. I'm, I'm very excited for you when you listen to this episode that you find out that Miguel scored negative five points for you. That's that's rough. That's yeah. rough. <laughs> it, it's not great here. So then this is where it gets interesting, folks. Max Kepler only registered two at-bats. 
and he scored zero points. The listeners, again represented by my brother, took Ref Snyder. He had a pretty good outing, except he also ended up with zero points. Now, the way this works... The strikeouts killed him. <laughs> we do have tiebreakers in place, so one with most home runs, and two with the least amount of strikeouts. Well, Kepler only had two at-bats, and he never struck out. It's such a dirty way to win, David. <laughs> it is so dirty. It just doesn't feel... It feels bad. It feels bad. It's... <laughs> And you should feel bad. (laughs) I do feel bad about this. I do feel bad about this. I'm not very, I don't relish this victory. Um, I am going to take it still. Don't get me wrong. But yes, I can understand uh, there might be some hard feelings here. So season stats here, the listeners and Dan Thompson are tied four wins and 11 losses. And I'm, uh, I got a few wins here now. I'm at eight and seven on the season. Yeah. Well, uh, the listeners are coming back. You'll have an opportunity to redeem yourself. Just think, had your guys scored one positive point, you would have had a victory. You didn't even have that hard to job to do maybe maybe for this next series i'll pick buxton because apparently picking somebody who doesn't play is the best <laughs> the best option for this twins team that might not be a bad <laughs> choice honestly all right well let's uh let's keep pushing here to beast versus bench beast versus bench is losing fun is losing fun well, it looks like we have, we actually both had Kirilov as our beast picks here, Dan. Yeah, it, it just seemed to be that he was the guy with the most production throughout the course of the three games. Game one was obviously a little rough for him, but he had a, a solid outing in, in both games two and three. I don't know who else you would really pick uh, as your beast. Yeah, this one is rough. I mean, even when you look at the pitching staff, like Dobnik, of course not. And really, the the first game is a throwaway game. You can't really even look at it. Right. So, Maybe game two, you could look at Hap's outing, but man, only going five pitches, that doesn't seem worthy of a beast moniker. And this last game, again, it was just, I don't know what to tell you. This was this was a rough one to pick a beast. And so I, th- I think Kirilov is really the only pick that makes any sort of sense. Right. And I think for our uh, our benches, we also matched up, both picking Sano as our bench player. Yeah, this one, again, I, it's just so funny that Dan took him for, for buckets picked and he just did so, so terribly. So Sano... I don't know what to tell you on this one. I played with putting Donaldson as far as uh, the bench is concerned because he he was rough as well. He left, just looking at his stats line here, game one, he left seven guys on base. Game two, he left five guys on base. And then this game today, he left two guys on base. The thing is, Donaldson's only hitting 226, right? Which is not good for a guy you're paying $95 million to. But above and beyond that, his on-base percentage isn't bad. So he's like the third highest on-base percentage on the team, I think. And so the thing is, yes, that's great that he's getting on base. Now, granted, on on this team, that's not a very difficult stat to (laughs) top. The problem is we're paying him for his bat, and his bat is not producing right now. And I think it's also important to note that it's very hard to compete for the bench spot uh, with Sano, who went (laughs) 0 for 10 with five strikeouts over the course of this series. It's, yes, it's. I guess it's nice for Donaldson because I'm sure he's a listener to the podcast. He doesn't have to really worry about being put on the bench because he's like, you know what? Miguel's probably got this. (laughs) Well, let's keep pushing here into Rocco's Rewind. Rocco's Rewind. Yeah, so I'm going to start us off here because this was fun because my Rocco's Rewind comes from game three and I said it out loud while we were watching the game and you pushed back on me a little bit. So I did, yes. So I didn't really like him pulling uh, Shoemaker. I thought that it was early. He only had 64 pitches. I know, I know. Bases were loaded. There was one out. I still think... 
that with the bullpen, even with the way that they performed better now, I would have rather had Shoemaker stay in there and just and try and make his way out of that jam. But you you clearly disagree. I did disagree. Like that argument is like saying like, hey, I know we just got into a car accident and our car looks like an accordion and won't run, but we got to keep going on it because it only had 20,000 miles on it. So we got to keep going with it. I, I just think that if you're in a rough spot and you're obviously not getting the performance that you want, or especially like the performance that you need, you need to switch it up. You need to go with other options. And I know that's going to make life a little bit rougher for your bullpen, but at some point that's what they're there for. You have to count on them. You have to rely on them. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, the bullpen did really well the rest of the way outside of the two runs that Thielbar gave up, but the two runs that he gave up were inherited. So they didn't count against his stat line here. The bullpen technically then only gave up one earned run. And it was really when all was said and done. I mean, the twins, it would have been nice to keep it to within two going into the ninth, but that just wasn't going to happen. So I, you know, fair enough, fair enough. You may not like it. I still think I would have liked to see Shoemaker try and work his way out of that jam, but hindsight, it does look like like Rocco made the right call. So uh, what do you got here for Rocco? So at this point, are are they basically just pulling names out of a hat for the outfield? Uh, it, it just, it seems like they don't, they don't even care if people have played in the outfield before. I mean, at this point, they're putting people from the front office out there just to see how they might do. <laughs> you know, try them out. You know what? Mid-season yeah. tryout, the Twins are, are, again, just absolutely terrible. Why not just throw somebody else out there? I yeah. think it's a fair question. I don't quite understand i mean there's no way going into the season that rocco or anyone on the twin staff thought that right you know what we're going to have one spot in left field that's going to be in flux a little bit we're going to try the young guys out and maybe we'll put a rise out there who's not a natural left fielder but this is getting ridiculous when you can't keep anybody in. Kepler's moved to the 10-day IL. Arise is on the IL. Buxton is on the IL. What are you supposed to do at this point? I think your names out of a hat situation is, is truly about as effective as you can be. Well, I saw a news story about this actually the other day, and they had some footage of Rocco just throwing darts at the <laughs> roster full of healthy people just to see who he might go with that day. Cruz playing center, it'd be a rough outing, but it, I mean, it'd be fun to see. And the fans would actually get some entertainment out of yeah, going to the games go. now. Let's actually transition here to talk about our Minnesota moment. Minnesota moment. So my moment is actually going to be Ref Snyder's RBI in the eighth in game two. That really turns out that run that they actually needed, which you wouldn't have thought right. that they needed, but they come away with this one six to five. And without that RBI, the Twins likely lose this game because chances are the uh, Royals managed to tie it. And if we go into extras, we know that the Twins lose in the extra innings. That's all that they do here. So that's going to be my Minnesota moment. I think that there, there's just not a lot of fun things to talk about here. I see what you've written here, and I think it's certainly better than the one that I've chosen. It's really the most fun thing to talk about uh, in this entire series, and that is the fact that uh, in Game 2, Josh Donaldson scored the 2 millionth run in MLB history, which is pretty fascinating. I, that's just, it's an insane amount of runs that's when you lot. think about it. I mean, the thing is, though, have you ever thought about this before? I, I have not, no. No, I, I hadn't either. Like, had you ever thought, like, I wonder how many runs have been scored or in the many, history of the major How many league. pitches have been thrown? How many, or, <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like, it's just, it's an unfathomable number. You right. don't really think about it. And two million is a lot. I guess I'm not sure I didn't look it up at all, like, when it started or what, what right. started the clock. That seems like a very large number and a very small number all at one time. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I suppose when you consider as many teams as there are and as many games as are played each season, uh, that number can skyrocket fairly quickly. And I'm sure looking at the graph, probably be able to see, like, oh, 
oh yeah, that's reasonable. That's how that happens. It's about what I expected when you break it down. But yeah, 2 million does seem like a very large and small number at the same, at the same time. time. You're right. And that's always like, I've said this before on the podcast, but that's why I love baseball so much because you look at the field and you think, how does anybody ever get a hit? And then you look at the field again and you're like, how does anyone ever not get a hit? Like right, it's one of yeah. those things where you could have told me almost any number, I think, for number of runs scored. And I would have told you, yeah, that sounds right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think I agree with you there. But yeah, it's a, it's a really cool stat. And again, if there's not a lot of upside here remaining in this season, at least Josh Donaldson can hang his hat on that, even if he can't hit a ball when there's runners in scoring position. Right. And you know, if we, uh, if we can't win a world series, we might as well take those kind of records. So. Well, that's the thing, right? We have the home run record. Now we yep. have the two millionth run score. What else could Minnesota twins fans want? We got everything we're looking for. Everything we're looking for. Just weird anomalies that'll work if we're ever on jeopardy. My <laughs> goodness. Yeah, let's uh, move into Mauer's Musings. I just don't know how it can get any better. Mauer's Musings. So I'll let you uh, lead this one off there, Dan. Yeah, so just looking at the series, my thought throughout the whole thing was how much better actually is this bullpen than it was even a month ago? And granted, you know, aside from Stashak's outing in, in game one of this series, uh, the bullpen did a relatively decent job in holding the number of runs. Like I think the bullpen a month ago doesn't hold game two like they did. They haven't been perfect outings, but we have definitely seen some improvement there. And I'm not sure if this is just a fluke. Maybe they're just in a good run or maybe they're actually showing significant signs of improvement. I agree. I think statistically you have to say that they're better now than they were a month ago. How much of that do you think is potentially in the way that Rocco has managed the bullpen? Yeah, it just seems like maybe Rocco's come up with a, with a better system for these guys and sort of figuring out how the pieces all fit together in a in a more productive way you're still going to be limited by how productive the bullpen is but i do think the consistency and sort of the system that racco has put in place is just better than it has been and it's one of those things where we were ragging on Rocco so much at the beginning of the season because it just seemed like he made every wrong decision. But now that it's been narrowed down a little bit and who your productive bullpen arms are, I think it does make it significantly easier on Rocco to know you can't put Colome in a situation where the other team can't score a run. Right. You've even mentioned over the past few episodes that talking about Rocco's rewind that a lot of his decisions have just felt more natural. And so maybe they're they're finally settling into that rhythm. They're finally finding the right pieces. Well, the pieces that remain healthy i guess uh they're but they're they're able to settle into that groove a little bit better absolutely uh yeah so what did you have for your mowers musings so this is interesting so today they had a call up here when kepler was moved to the il they called up rortvet again to catch the game and not ryan jeffers which i don't really know jeffers must be not doing super well at triple a if they're still gonna leave him down there yeah maybe it just seems like one of those things where if there was going to be a time to call him up the next time you're going to call up a catcher jeffers has been down for almost a month now i think it's time to maybe recall him see if he can do anything to help spark this team yeah but at this point Rortvet with his homer in game three maybe it was the right decision fair point yeah I, it, well I, hard to argue with homers right I, when it happens it happens so yeah I, I guess i would like to see jeffers up especially it just seems weird we haven't seen the turtle lately either he hasn't yep. had many at bats and he hasn't been playing in the field so it's just a weird lineup that we're playing with all these names who at the beginning of the season i didn't know who Rortvet was right I mean, yeah <laughs> So Same. Like, like in my roster construction, he wasn't a name on there that I was like, oh yeah, we'll probably see him at some right, point yeah. this season. And granted that was because we thought it would be Garver and Jeffers all season long. I don't know. I'm just wondering what the thought process is there. And is Jeffers really struggling that bad at AAA that you're bringing up Rortvet, who literally I think had two hits when he was up for that last stint. Absolutely. Well, let's push forward here. Series grades time, Dan. 
series grades. So it looks like we have the same base grade, but we have plus and minuses flipped here, Dan. What are you uh, What are you giving them here on this grade? Right. I gave them a D plus primarily because of those bullpen points that I made. Like, obviously, they lost the series, but they did manage to take a game in game two. Like, they looked, you know, somewhat better than they have in recent weeks. But uh, so I think that's where that plus comes in. Yeah, I just uh, there were some bright spots and I, I have a hard time giving a anything lower than that to a team that scores the two millionth run in MLB history. <laughs> that, that's what you're Dan, Dan Thompson would be mad at you because you're given a grade based on some something that falls outside of his no no listen rubric. it was extra credit that's why <laughs> that's why they get that D plus they did some makeup work by getting that record we like to keep the teaching vibe going here even right. when Dan's not okay. on the podcast yeah so I'm gonna give him a D minus here they won one game. I don't even think they deserve a D minus the season for me at this point, they had to win this. So they swept the Orioles. I was really excited about it. Now you're in this stretch. You have to be playing better than 500 baseball. And when you lose two of three, I'm not a math teacher, Dan, but that is not 500 baseball. So it's one of those things where you need to be better. And if you're not going to be able to beat divisional foe, the Royals, it's not good. It's got to be a D minus. Right. I just, I, I think, and you know, you're going to hate me for saying this, but I think your rubric actually is messed up. And I don't think that you can give grades based on individual situations. I think it needs to be something a little more consistent across the board. No, I, I do it based on how I'm feeling. Okay, and how it's a hard and, pick and, and the situational pick. see like i think that you can give the series grade just based on the series itself but i do think how that series plays into the season as a whole matters i understand you want to look at the series in a vacuum that's dan thompson's point i think that it matters in the situation and i think it matters how they won or how they lost the game again i realize it may not be consistent but i will argue Dan Thompson has not been consistent completely throughout the season as far as his grades are concerned. So you can criticize me because you've only given one grade. So so far, yeah, so far I've given the one. So I've been the most consistent. You have been remarkably consistent. 100%. Yeah, I mean, people will know next series. If they don't score the two millionth run, but they lose two of three, that would be a D minus, I think is what you're saying. Uh, probably a D actually. Okay, I'd a go D. With a D. Okay. Yeah. That plus was just enough points. Uh, just got just enough of that extra credit to, to move it up to the plus. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to have the listeners also give a grade just so we can keep <laughs> this going here series by series. So, all right, well, let's, uh, let's wrap up here with Puckett's picks for the upcoming series against the Orioles, who uh, we've seen rather recently. And we'll see you tomorrow. Puckett's picks. So, Dan, you're the listener, so you always get to pick first. So who are you going to take here for the Orioles series? Uh, I'm actually going to take Donaldson. I I think it's a solid pick. I I know he has not looked fantastic uh, in this last series, but I I think he's due. I think they're they're going back up against the Orioles, who they just swept before the Royals. And I think that confidence is going to be there. And if there's a time for him to come back and make a showing, I think this is it. You know, I I would love to see that happen. I don't think it will because I've started to lose a lot of confidence in his ability to perform at the level that we had hoped he would when the twins signed him but if he does all the more power like that's the thing about puckett's picks like you never want the other guy's guy to be bad you just want your guy to be better right but so in this instance i will happily take the loss and give the listeners the win if Donaldson can break out and get to be uh, get to be the bat that he was, you know, 2017, 2018. And as we've discussed earlier in this episode, you should be used to being wrong at this point. So <laughs> yeah, yes, very used to it. Very used to it. I got all the people in my life telling me I'm wrong in many different <laughs> situations. So, so then Dan Thompson, who took the hard loss in this one, got to pick first and he had texted me his uh, pick from the racetrack. I believe he's going to take Larnick, which I think is a good pick. It's a very Dan Thompson-esque pick, but again, I guess I say that, but at the same time, like 
Larnick is just a regular at this point. I mean, with the way that the Twins lineups have been put together and so many guys on the IL, you really have to go with someone who you think is going to play all three games. So that being said, I'm going to make a Dan Thompson-esque pick, I think, which according to Dan, it varies a little bit whether it's a heart pick, I understand, but there's a heart logic to it. So what I'm going to say here is this is my heart logic Dan Thompson pick. Heart logic Dan Thompson yeah, pick. Yeah, it's perfect. So I'm going to take Alex Kirilov. He had a great, well, not a great series. He had an okay series here against the Royals. I think he's going to continue and I think he's going to get three starts. So I'm going to go with Alex Kirilov. All right. Well, yeah, I think that's probably a solid pick. All right. Well, I do want to thank you, Dan, for filling in for Dan Thompson here. Absolutely. I know it's a holiday weekend. We've seen a lot of each other this weekend, we actually. Family gatherings and whatnot. But so thanks for being here and being an active member of the Men for the Win podcast team. We have thanks a team for having now. me, David. Yeah, it's not just a duo. Can you believe that? There's been <laughs> three different voices on the podcast. I well, Dan Thompson, if you're listening, I, I hope I didn't screw this up too bad for you. <laughs> I hope you approve of my performance here. Well, folks, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. You can follow us on Twitter at Men for the Win, and you can find our Men for the Win Facebook page. Make sure you have subscribed to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are available. And if you can leave us a rating, that would be great. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins. That'll wrap up another episode of Men for the Win, a podcast hosted by David Kufis and Dan Thompson, two avid fans who appreciate well-played baseball, especially when it's done by the Twins. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Twins. Twins.